Hey, Jim, what you doing? Making a podcast. Want to join me? You bet. Welcome to the Live It Well podcast, where we hope our stories help you better understand yours. Good morning, Jamie. <laughs> if everyone could see your face and you do that, it's like you have like duck lips. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Scott. I am super happy to see you in your amazing glasses. I love those glasses. They're really fun. Thank you. I like them too. I don't know. I feel like people look at me and they're like, oh, trying to be a hipster, but you know. I think hipsters aren't cool anymore. The so. fact that they're prescription makes it less of a hipster. Well, these thing. aren't prescription. They're blue light? These are blue light. Oh, got it. But I have been getting a lot less headaches now that I've been wearing them most of the time. That's great. So I like it. I feel like they're working. We've talked quite a bit about the fact that once a quarter, we take our kids out on days by themselves. And so last night, we took out um, our youngest for her day. And it was for January, and it's February, well, but that's you right. know, we missed it by just a couple of days. It's no judgment. Um, and I just was thinking about things like... We try to celebrate our kids, and, um, and it was a fun day. It was, we had a, a good time, and we got her Valentine's for school, and we got a couple other things. And she, um, she got a really cool hat that I hope she wears. Uh, that was maybe my highlight of the night. But what I think is interesting is, like, we spend all this time, and you, like, you as a parent are trying to be deliberate, and you're trying to be on top of this stuff. And then all it takes is, like, one thing, and the kid's like they've never done anything fun in their life. And it's so hard. Like, and then, well, I'll just tell you where I'm going with this, which is I think that's kind of me with God a lot of times. Like, I just think that I don't remember all the cool things that he's done in my life, and I'm just like, oh, today. Oh, this thing. It's true. So anyway, I just have been it's thinking good. about that the last like, couple days. It's like every time I watch a child, not even our children, but just a child struggle and be frustrated and all that, I just wonder how many times God's looking at me like, yeah, that's pretty much you. <laughs> like that's you throwing a temper tantrum. That's you being a big baby about something and not remembering the big picture stuff. It's true. So we throw hissy fits just like our little ones. It's true. I'm and I. I mean, I sadly probably do more than most. Uh, our daughter got a ha, is applying for a job. Our oldest daughter is applying for a job, and so she had to get letters of recommendation from a couple people. And I had kind of referenced this last week, but I wanted to read it this week. So Veda got this letter of recommendation from our neighbors who do, uh, she babysits for. And I'm just going to read this because we get to read something really cool that was for Nixon last week. And I want to read something specific for Veda this week. Um, when you become a parent, there is no greater show of trust than to, the trust you place in the people you let spend time with your children. Veda Shull is not only someone we let spend time with our kids, we ask her to spend time with our kids, and our kids ask to spend time with her. We've known Veda for five years, and she has always been our first call when we need someone to watch our boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. She is the most trustworthy, respectful, and dependable person, let alone teenager, that we know. She is much more than a babysitter. She is present with our children. She creates a warm and exciting environment built on respect and dignity. And because our kids are comfortable with her, they listen to her and follow her guidance. When we return home, our home is secure. The toys and books are organized. The dishes and surfaces are clean. But most importantly, our children are safe and happy. Veda is driven by a desire to do not only what is right, but what is good. She is, on the, she is of the highest character and has the utmost integrity. She treats every situation with care and response and responds with confidence. Any company or organization would be lucky to hire her. Amazing. That's really incredible. I cried when I read it, of course. It's really fantastic. And so I'm really glad we could share that. Only because 
as much as I'm watching temper tantrums or even that same child that we're celebrating right now was a stink pot to us for like 20 minutes this morning. We're so annoying. I know. It's so funny. But it's just, it's neat to see these, because here's the deal. As a parent, there's so many moments that aren't great that you have to celebrate the great moments. Because I think, this is just like everything, the negative weighs heavier than the positive does. It's true. And so I think you need moments like this. Like, and a lot of times the moments come from somebody else. Somebody else saying, hey, your child this. Like, we noticed this thing. Or you're doing a good job as a parent. Because a lot of times when you're in the trenches, you don't see any of those things. Absolutely. Anything else you want to elaborate on that? No, I'm just grateful that people see the good in our kids. And I love that they were able to share that with her and that she got to read it. And sometimes you get letters of recommendation and you don't ever see them. It's so true. You have no idea what the person it's said a great about point. you. They could, you know, throw you under the bus and you'd have no idea. But I was, I was grateful that she got to read that and that she could see that other people value her. And yeah, I cried. I, she's like, oh my gosh, mom, don't cry. She read it to me and she's like, are you crying? I'm like, uh, yep. And she's like, stop it. Don't cry. That's so funny. Uh, there was a funeral this week for a pastor and he had had kind of a tough stretch towards the end of his life and had made maybe just bad choices. There's no way around it, but it was really, uh, it was really sad and it was sad because like, I don't know. I just, it, it, without us really knowing the pastor hardly at all, it was just kind of heavy for both of us. It was a very heavy week. And I wondered if you wanted to just share, because it really, like, it stuck to you. Like, you were very, like, emotionally responding to this. And it just, I was just curious, kind of, your thought process as you went through this. Not somebody you were close to, but just somebody, I feel like you kind of grieved the, the, the idea. You grieved for the family, some things like that, so... Yeah, I think um, I watched the whole funeral, and I we met him one time, and uh, but otherwise mostly know him via like word of mouth. Like we don't know him at all, and or his family. And I just I think there were two things. I think it was one I was grieving for his wife, especially because things were really really hard in the end. And um, gosh, this is crazy. Actually, it just just hit me. My dad passed away twenty one years ago today. And it was hard for my mom and dad in the end. And so I think when I see that, like, couples struggle, you know, we all have seasons like that. But when it ends in the middle of a season of struggle, that's got to be really hard. And so my heart breaks for his wife and his three children. I know what it's like to lose a dad. And and they're way younger than I was. Um, And it was hard for you. It was extremely hard. And I was out of the house. I wasn't living with him. Like, you know, I was in college and, you know, doing my thing and... Anyway, so these three little kids are, you know, they're, they have a single mom now. And so she has to pick up and try and raise them in the best way that she can. And I don't know. So I, I'm grieved for the family and the circumstances surrounding it because I know what that's like. And then I also, um, I'm grieved for, like, the choices that he made that were so public. And so, like, his life was on a stage. Yeah. And and I, it's, it's part like grief for him and for the church. And it's part like anger and frustration about people who get the stage. Yeah. And so it's, it's mostly grief. It's not that I'm like angry with him or anything, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, I think it's hard to articulate, but I, I think that 
sometimes when people have done things or lived through things, I, I don't believe that they belong on stage in a lot of ways. And I, I'm not saying that about him. I don't really know him, like I said, but I do, I just, the publicness of, of the stuff that he went through and the, quite frankly, horrific things that he did um, for the whole world to watch. You know, yep. I mean, we all have plenty of sin in our lives and we all have things that we struggle with and deal with and a lot of it's hidden. And so we don't see it in people. But when when sin in your life boils over into the world, like, that's yep. not fun. It's not, that's, it's super, it's hard to watch. It's frustrating when, you know, this person has had a platform and a, a voice in a lot of people's lives and then embarrassing, like for his wife and their kids. And, and the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and frankly, the kingdom of God. And then I think it just causes all these questions like where does, you know, where does our salvation begin and end and all these things. And it's yeah. just like, holy cow, like there's a lot of theological things to digest and I don't have the capacity for that. And so I think it's just confusion and like yeah just it's it's really grief mostly but just a lot of a lot of feelings yeah I struggled uh the one part and I didn't listen to I only listened to just a small part of the funeral but the thing that really got to me and I found most frustrating was the celebrate the, the celebration and the celebratory way they talked about how well he was a speaker and I just think we have idolized the stage in a way and people whose gifts can be used on the stage. I don't know. It bumps me out a little bit. Um, it's really sad because in the end, like, that's what they had to focus on. You know, yeah. like, and there were other things that were said that I didn't necessarily agree with. But, like, it, that's all. Like, that's it. That's, yeah. that's what his life was about. Like, just just being a really good speaker. I know. That's really sad. Like, I don't know. And it was the weirdest funeral. One person spoke, the pastor spoke, and nobody else said a thing about him. That's weird. Which I just thought was interesting with how many friends he had and how many people loved him and his family. And there was just, I think there was just so much surrounding it that that it was just easier just to like, you know, they did a ton of worship, which is really cool. I always yep. love that. And then, you know, he honored him well, and he was very, um, I thought he was very gracious in the way that he spoke and, and in the way that he approached some of the tougher things that happened. He didn't really say a lot specifically, but I it, I just thought it was a weird, like, it was just weird. I was like, no one else is going to say a word about the guy. It's his funeral. Like, this is it. And... uh and then Scott proceeded to tell me that his funeral better be a party. So just Come so on. everybody knows out there, if I'm not here, Scott wants a party at his I, funeral. I swear, if there, if all we do is mope and cry at my funeral, I feel like I failed. I I don't know. I I like to cry. That's okay. I'm not saying we shouldn't grieve. That's not it. But it's really about the tone in which you grieve to me, um, because like. I feel like I'm somebody who's made the most of my life in most areas, and I'm ready to celebrate that. I'm ready to, like, man, when I go out... I'm, I'm not go, ready to celebrate that yet. I, I, well, that's fine. I'm not ready yet. I mean, but you just, you never know, right? You never know when it's your time. And, um, you know, and the other thing I want to say is I know, like, it might sound a little hypocritical for me to talk about the idolizing the stage as somebody who has time on stage. And I know that that... Um, that might just sound, and you and I together have time on stage and we've, we probably have more, I mean, 
But with that said, I don't want to be somebody who just celebrates the packaging and the, like, the talent. I want to be somebody who celebrates what God's doing in people's lives. And I think, I just, I don't know. I, I just really struggle with the, the packaging celebration, so... Yeah, I think um, I think we just need to. I think our culture probably needs to just shift some, even just slightly. Like let's let's practice like celebrating the faithful, the obedient, the humble, the you know the people that are grinding behind the scenes. Like it's not just about the people on stage, and I think so often it's it's the staff or it's the it's the person with the mic or it's the like whatever it is. Those positions are celebrated, but there's Behind those 10 people or five people or 20 people or whatever it is, there's a thousand just being faithful, just serving, just, you know, laying a brick. Like there's just like people that are just, just in the, behind the scenes and nobody sees them. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's probably one of the things that that I, I think we just need to like have just a, a slight shift in our thinking. And there's That's nothing good. wrong with celebrating like our, our pastors are amazing. Yep. Our, the people on stage with the mics have talent and they have great things that God has called them to do. But that doesn't negate everybody else That's right. in the or, picture. Or put them higher on the list or anything like that, you know. Um, I think sometimes the other thing I would like to just be reminded is the Bible talks about the responsibility of being a leader and all the extra expectations that come with that. And I think sometimes we forget those things too. And forget the expectation is, is, is higher on, on people like that. And I'm glad you referenced the party thing because I'm absolutely going to, man, my funeral better be awesome. Now everyone knows. I know. Just in case. It better be awesome. I'm just saying. Just in case. You never know. I might not be here before you. Well, so. I mean, it's, it's true. Actually, that's the, like the worst segue ever. It's the best segue. Well, okay. So let me first say this because then this will segue into that part of it. So, Jamie, I have been making progress on my goals. You have. And I'm really happy with the progress I made. But then like three days ago, I got sort of depressed. So I'm trying to be healthier. I have a long way to go. I have a lot to change, but I've been doing really good. It's been kind of like a three-month journey, making subtle changes. And then January, I've really been kind of both feet in. I have lost weight and I am stronger and some things that are really good. But I sort of got depressed because I'm making progress and I realized how far I have to go. Like, I was like, I would get up in the morning. I'd be so excited. I'm like, I'm going to step on the scale. I'm going to go do my workout. And I'm going to, you know, make sure I eat good things. Like, just all these things. Super excited about it. And then it just kind of punched me in the stomach. Like, I have a long ways to go. Like, I've scratched the surface. But it's a longer journey than I was probably mentally prepping for. Absolutely. It's the mic. We want, we want it in the microwave. We uh-huh. want it done now. Well, I say this a lot. But we always overestimate what we can do in two weeks. And we underestimate what we can do in 12 months. Yep. And I want to be kind of more like that. So all that kind of does segue into, Jamie, it's been a really eventful week for you specifically. Has it ever? Would you just start back on, let's think what day that was, Monday. Would you go back to Monday when you started sending me messages at work? That is amazing that I even saw it, to be totally honest. But anyway. Well, I couldn't call you because I was surrounded by paramedics. So uh, the I was at home, like I am most days of the week, doing laundry, uh, taking care of stuff at the house. I was actually 
gutting one of our daughter's rooms and making it pretty. She wanted a little room refresh and I had some things around the house and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this cheap and I'm going to do it now because why not? So I started doing that and I was most of the way through everything. And I was like, okay, it's one o'clock and I haven't eaten yet because I'm still doing some intermittent fasting, juice fasting until lunchtime. And so I usually eat around one and I was like, okay, I better eat because I was going to run to Target and grab a few things for her room. And I sat down, I ate lunch, and everything was fine. I was like, gosh, I'm not feeling great. It's kind of weird. Um, my heart rate's getting higher, and I've been sitting now for probably 20 or 30 minutes because I had just eaten. And it's getting higher and higher and higher, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, like my, I feel like I'm going to pass out. My, my body is going to, like I'm going to fall to the floor, and I'm alone, so no one's going to be able to help me. So I kind of went back and forth, like everyone I think does. Who wants to call 911 for themselves? Nobody. Like, you know, if, if I'm dead on the floor, please call 911. But otherwise, I really don't want to. Um, so I hesitated. And then I was like, okay, I, I just, I thought about my kids and my family. And I'm like, okay, I need to just call. And so I called 911. I had to put the dog away. So I got downstairs. I was so weak. I could barely walk down the stairs. And 911 stayed on with me until the ambulance and the first responders got here. And I just sat on the couch and it did, my heart rate did start coming down. I think when the, but what was it? Like, what was the peak? 168. While you're doing nothing. Resting. So I can't get my heart rate to 168 while I'm like doing the hardest workout ever. That is a massively high heart rate. Yeah. So, and I mean, I could feel it. I knew instantly. I was like, this, this isn't right. And I've now, you know, been sitting for 30 plus minutes by this point. So when the paramedics got here, it was down, it had come down a little bit. It was like 120, 140 kind of in between. And then anyway, so my dear friend Bree, who is an NP at the Mayo Clinic, she lives like three or four houses down from us. She came running and sat with me and kind of helped calm me down. She also updated me, which was a really... I, I work an hour away from our house. It was a little helpless feeling on my end, and Bree gave me a little more peace. Yeah, so I was like... They were like, okay, well, we think you should go in and get checked out and figure out why, you know, why your heart rate got so high, especially since you were just sitting. And um, I was like, well, can Bree take me? Because Bree was like, I'll take you. And they were like, well, we recommend you come with us just in case it happens again, and we have to give you some medicine. And... So they placed an IV here on my couch, really weird, and um, put me in an ambulance for the first time in my life. You've never been in an ambulance before? Nope, never been in an ambulance. So yeah, that was an adventure. So I got there, and I'm actually glad I did go in the ambulance because I've never seen an emergency room like the Mayo Clinic emergency room. Like, of course, everyone wants to get into the Mayo Clinic. Like, it's the place to go in Minnesota, especially, but it's kind of the place to go in the world when you yep. have, like, some something serious going on. So we know where I'm in good hands, but, like, I went in through the garage, the back door, and I was in, you know? And, I mean, people wait 12 hours, 8 hours, 7 I mean, they wait a long time in the emergency room, so... So the fact that I went in the ambulance just meant I got care right away and got Absolutely. something squared away, which I also got from my nurse, which made me feel better about the whole situation was, I'm really glad you came in. Yes. Because they did find some things, and so we're working on some things. But those were her words, and I was like, okay, whew. Like, I, this wasn't just like a, you're over-exaggerating, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Like, I needed to come in. There's stuff going on, so... Well, and I think she's probably been around people that are like, why did I call the ambulance? I feel so bad. So when I got there finally, there was 
at least 80 people in the emergency room. It's wall-to-wall people. Like, there's not even places for people to sit. People are standing. It's insane. And so, one more reason why I was glad. It's funny. I've been in an ambulance a couple times. It's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of awful. It's like, it's sort of like, this is a weird correlation, but... Do you know how, like, when you're standing in front of people and they sing happy birthday to you and you're like, I feel like an idiot right now? Yeah. That's how being in an ambulance kind of feels to me. Yeah. The guy that was driving after we got to the hospital was like, how was my driving? And I was like, terrible. I was bouncing around everywhere. Like, at one point, he slammed on the brakes. I'm like, what is happening? Because you can't see. Did you tell him it was terrible? No. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) So they start checking out your heart. You have extra appointments this week. You have been on, and I think... I mean, if I was to say of the, like the, the reoccurring themes of our marriage, one has been health and one has been money. Those are like the two main, maybe those are the two main things for everybody. I don't know. Maybe that sounds stupid, but we have been on a health journey for 20 years. And so now you've gone to some extra, you meet with some specialists, you've got this other stuff, you're trying to figure out what's going on. How are you feeling right now? Um, I don't know. I'm partly like, I'm fine. Everything's, you know, everything's going to be fine and it will be. And I'm partly like, I'm freaking out because I'm going to die. So background, which I already shared, has been today, 21 years since my dad passed away, which by the way, I realized this year will be from here on out. It'll be, I'll have lived more life without my father than with my father, which is another like layer of grief. Like that's crazy. Um, so Gosh, uh, so he passed away this week and you got also got sick Yes, this same week. And I very vividly remember laying in bed on February 2nd, 2018. Mm-hmm. Your blood pressure was like a million, like 250 over like a yeah, hundred or something. I don't know. It was ridiculous. And I remember laying in bed thinking my husband's going to die on the same day my dad died. And we had no idea what was wrong with you yet. Yeah. You were on some like emergency blood pressure medication just to like keep your heart working through the weekend until they could see you. And so here we are again, this same week in February, but now I'm sick and with heart stuff. Like, and I think. And your dad died of a heart attack at at 50 years old. So I mean. Very suddenly. Trauma. Like that's, that's a hundred percent what that is. And I think my brother and I both are very traumatized by it. And so. We're both just, like, waiting to die. Like, our heart's going to give out someday. So it's, you know, we'll live, live life to the fullest until our hearts quit. Um, my, mom, my dad, his brother, both hit their parents have all died of heart disease. And so it's just rampant on that side of our family. And I think we just decided that that's our fate, too, someday. Probably at a young age. And Even so, though the side, your mom's side of the family lives forever, you know, with... <laughs> some of them. Yeah, it's true. It's the, the women do. Although all her brothers are alive. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Yeah. So I think it's just, there's just a lot of trauma around all of it and like a wondering and then, yeah. So yeah. So there's just a lot of feelings, a lot of, it's both like, I know I'm fine. I had an EKG done. I had an echocardiogram done and I had over a hundred pictures of my heart taken. The structure of my heart is fine. And so if you don't know this, there's like structures of your heart that can be abnormal. And then there's like electrical things that can go wrong with your heart. And there's different tests for those. And then there's like, 
your arteries can get clogged. And then there's another test for that, which is much, much more invasive. So they don't do that unless they really suspect something like that, which is what my dad passed away of and had had lots of testing up until that point and probably should have had what's called an angiogram where they go in and like explore the insides of your arteries. Yeah. Um, he was actually had a, an appointment with a cardiologist three days after he died. And so he knew something was wrong and they were trying to figure it out, but just, it was too late. So I had the first two things done. Everything is fine. Everything matches up. It's great. Like um, the structures are perfect. There's nothing that they can see in the pictures. And then I had the electrical thing, which is more what was happening with my heart. They just have to thoroughly, sure. you know, Mayo Clinic does it all. They thoroughly check every, you know, when they suspect something, they thoroughly check. And I, that's one of the things we all love about them. But um, so I, and then I also wore, so I wore a Holter monitor, which is the thing that catches the firing and the misfirings and things of your heart. And so I wore that for 24 hours and there were some higher rhythms caught and some like, I don't know, just like nothing like out of the ordinary, but they want a better picture. So they're asking me to wear one for 30 days now. That sounds awesome. Super fun. So I meet with cardiology on Tuesday and I'm, I'll get more of like an idea of what the future holds as far as like figuring out what's going on. I think they just want to make sure like triple check that everything's good, especially I, you know, they said with your, with your family history, it's just important that we are thorough. And so that's where we're at. It's so I, I, one of the things I really like about the way you told that story, uh, just all that's going on is that everything we're dealing with in our life has layers to it. You have Jamie's health, your health that you're paying attention to, which by the way, I feel like when you've had some health issues, either like for me and your dad and all those other things, it makes you more aware and more sensitive to the fact that there is a terminal nature to life. Then you add my health, which happened at the same time, uh, six years ago, time flies. And then you have 21 years ago, your dad passed away, same time frame, And you have all these things that even though they might not be the first thought you had, they are all working in your story right now. They are mm. all coming out. And I thought it was interesting yesterday when we went shopping and I was like, Jamie, I want to buy you flowers today. And you're like, why do you want to buy me flowers? <laughs> I totally forgot. And it's so fascinating to me because I'm glad you had forgotten actually because I think it would have made this week even harder. It would have. If, if it was, so subconsciously, you were dealing with the grief from your dad and his heart and all those things, but you hadn't been reminded of the fact that it was right now, 21 years ago. It was this week. And so I just, I, I think about those things and one of the things we don't give ourselves enough credit for is all the stuff happening in the background that gets us to this point. And so, like, like I talked about our kids earlier. I talked about life. Like, I was telling uh, Veda, we were having a conversation. She was talking about a, a student from her school that was just having a tough day. Like, he was just being rude to a lot of people and being really, really mean. And I said, one of the things to be encouraged by is, or, like, I want to encourage you in is something I'm really trying to work on, which is remembering people are going through things. Yep. remembering there's things outside of what you can see that people are going through. I try to remind myself of that of our kids. I'm not very good at that. I try to remind myself of that when it comes to you. I'm not very good at that either. I'm trying to get better at those things and be more aware of them. But there's a lot going on in the background for a lot of people that they might not even recognize or realize. And so when you talk about the funeral that we talked about this week and the health pieces and all these things, for you, there is a ton going on in the background too. 
And I want to just, like, I want to give you encouragement to give yourself grace in this time. And I want to give other people encouragement to remember, even though the thing that just happened might not be the biggest deal, it might be a lot of things in the background that are happening that are causing you the grief that you're dealing with or the stress or the anxiety or those things. It's, a, it's, it's very rarely the thing right in front of you. Yeah, I think the other thing I try and remind myself of, too, is, like, the goodness of God in all of it and, like, the good things that are happening. And so there's been a couple things just in our personal life that have gone really well this week. And um, you actually, oddly enough, dropped me off for one of my heart tests at the Mayo Clinic and then went to a building a couple doors down and had your own lab work done. Yep. And your lab work was all awesome. And it was, like, honestly, one of the best lab works you've ever had. It was great. And um, it's, I think, because of how well you're taking care of your body, again, and, like, I think it's just going to get better and better. But it was, like, a reminder to, like, there were just these moments where God was, like, remember, like, I'm still working. I'm not done. And Good. And so, for me, it was, like, we have to, like, in all the darkness, sometimes we have to step back and just see the goodness. That is good. And so I was really grateful that your labs were good. And then also yesterday when you bought me flowers and reminded me that the anniversary was here and I was like grateful that God spared me from any of those thoughts like while I was in the emergency room. Because I started getting lab work back and the doctors, like I said, the emergency room was crazy and there were people yelling and moaning and things. So I was fine, obviously, but... I didn't get a lot of attention from doctors and nurses. And so I was reading my own lab work. So I had, you know, started diagnosing myself with leukemia and all sorts of things. But turns out I, my iron's low, Uh, which seems like no big deal. That's the most likely scenario, by the way, of Jamie's health issues is that her iron is low. Yes. And it's, it's getting to the extremely low. It is extremely low. You're anemic essentially right now. Which, yeah, which affects... Every part of your body, yes. your brain, your heart, your... And so basically my body's not functioning well at all. Right. But so I had... I mean, I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I have cancer. I have all these blood... All my red blood cells are bad. Like everything's wrong and I, I, I'm i dying. Like I, I have lymphoma or leukemia and I'm... Now we get to deal with this. I mean, I even said out loud to you, why do our kids have to have two sick parents? Yeah. Like get a grip. So for me, it was just... I. Sometimes, I mean, I like I said, my brain can go a lot of really horrible places. And so I need to focus on the goodness around me and not just on the darkness. And so, but I'm not one to ignore the darkness either. Like yep. I grieve, I cry, I get angry with God. Like I, I have all the emotions. But when I, once I am through or have processed some of those emotions, then I, I turn and look for his goodness wherever I can find it. That's awesome. Jim, thanks for being so vulnerable and sharing all those things. It's really incredible, and I appreciate you being willing to share all that. And with that, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with the rest of the podcast. Okay, Jim, we're back, and we will get right to Snack Attack. Snack Attack! Now, here's the interesting thing. There is, at some point, maybe we're going to have to retitle this section. I've been thinking about this a little bit, but... I'm going to give you guys a recipe. I know, a recipe. It's because we're boring snackers now because we're trying to eat healthier. We are. And we're, this all was precipitated, is that the word I want? Mm -hmm. By the fasting. 
but I don't think we're going back. No, like, I think we it's okay. really want to stay on this track. And obviously the health issues have kind of even pushed us further. Like we aren't young, so it's time to take care of the body. You're not wrong. So here's what I'm going to do. This is a recipe we've eaten a bunch of times. So I want to just give you this. It's frozen green beans. Okay. So take frozen green beans. And I mean, then you can use fresh ones too. You probably could. I think people, I don't know, fresh, are green beans like in I mean, season right now? No, not here, but oh, there's, fresh green beans, I mean, with that recipe would be phenomenal. True. So here's all you're going to do. And I'm not going to tell you amounts because this is how I live and this is the way I cook things. So you're going to go with it. You will cook green beans in oil. After you've got them like three quarters of the way cooked, you add a little ginger. Do you do sesame oil though? Hold on. No. Oh, okay. Just whatever. Like avocado oil is what okay. I use. Uh, then you put garlic and ginger in after it's like three quarters of the way cooked. Then when it's just about done, you just put in some soy sauce, some garlic chili paste, and a little bit of sesame oil. And you mix it up, and you eat it. And it's our family's favorite side. So good. We eat it a lot. So I'm going to give you the rundown one more time really quick in case you wanted to write it down. And if you don't write it down, I think you're missing out. I can put it in the notes. Oh, that's a great idea. Do that, because then it won't be quite so. Okay, so let's get into Money Minute. Money Minute. Jamie, you have been on a rampage lately in doing something which I think brings you a lot of joy, but also it's a little bit of work and all that stuff. But you have been selling a lot of crap. It's funny that you say lately. Well, you sell stuff a lot, but this is right like now... This my MO. I'm like known for this. It's true. But usually it's not like just randoms. It's like people you know. Usually yeah, you're selling I used to do a lot more stuff. like on Instagram and stuff, but then I got chastised by some lady. What? Yeah, don't you remember? I read you her note. She goes, this is not what this platform is for. Well, I was like, you can unfollow me. And that's actually what I said to her. Good for you. Yeah, so anyway. But yeah. anyway, so I did use this on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram so much. You know, you guys have heard our spiel about social media. So I don't spend a lot of time on social media anymore. Um, and so it's harder to sell stuff to people local just because I'm not really on there a lot. And yep. so I've, I've told people local that if they buy something off my Poshmark, which is all mostly clothes... Shoes, clothes, things like that. I'll give them 50% off because I don't have to package it. I don't have to um, get like Poshmark fees taken out and all that. So if they they shop my Poshmark and they're local, like we're friends, I'll give them 50% off. That's great. Sorry if we're not friends and I don't know you and you're listening to this. You have to buy on Poshmark. (laughs) (laughs) So you sold this week, you sold a shelf that I didn't think was worth much. You sold sold a cart I didn't think was worth much. Four shelves. You sold a million. Yeah, some of those shelves seemed valuable to me. Some of them didn't. Like you just sold a ton of stuff, including we just got rid of our freezer or our fridge from our our garage, which honestly I didn't think was ever going to sell. And instead, this guy was looking for that exact fridge and it was sweet. Yeah, he came from like three hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Pick up that fridge. I was super happy for that. And I I think it's funny because I have a lot of those divine like connection. Not like is like not obviously me and that dude. I didn't even talk to the dude. Right. But um like divine connections with just like someone like, oh, this my grandma used to have this, or like I don't know, people just or like I've been I've been looking for this shelf from IKEA and they don't sell it anymore and I've wanted it forever and stuff like that. That's just like I don't know, but what's funny, what actually is hilarious about this to tie in the, like, earlier about our, I was laying in an ER bed selling things on Marketplace because I had a woman who drove over an hour to get this dumb Ikea shelf that I had, and I felt so bad. I was like, she just drove an hour, and she was coming to Rochester anyway to do something, but she lives out in the country, and she was like, I'm coming to Rochester, can I grab that shelf? Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden I was in the ER and I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. And so 
thankfully our teenagers were home and they were able to help me out. But funny that I was, you know, I could have been dying and here I am selling stuff Seriously. on Marketplace. You're kind of a not sit still kind of person. Uh, so Jamie, did you have a PR for this week? I do have a PR. So oh, I um, have been working on some things personally and I'm not going to share yet, but I will share eventually like exactly what I'm talking about. But one of the things over the last three weeks, I've just had to have an extreme amount. I'm the most impatient person you'll probably ever meet. And Scott gets wrath from my impatience nearly every day. Like <laughs> if I'm like, Hey, can you put this away? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Like, he thinks in like four hours. Or I'm I like, think even in four minutes, that's probably And not. I'm like this minute right now, if I ask you, like there's no waiting. Okay. So I am, that's how much patience I have. It's literally none. And God has been testing it for the last three weeks. And I, I've been fairly patient. I think you've I done mean, great. I've had moments of anxiety and kind of like, oh, I just want this to be figured out. And um, yeah, yesterday it was all figured out. That's awesome. So I, I am giving myself props for being slightly patient. That's right. I think, so for my PR, I'm going to say this. Um, I got you flowers for the anniversary of your dad passing. And the only reason I want to bring that up as a PR is not really to celebrate myself or that I did that, but I don't think you can, like, I, like I've been saying, thinking this a lot. I don't think you can fall into being thoughtful. Nope. You have to be deliberate. Like, you have to spend time, or you have to put in energy, you have to do things like that. And some people tend to that more naturally. Yes. Like, some people are born innately with this, like... Yes. Like, ways of being thoughtful to people, and we have friends who are really, really good at this. Yes, absolutely. But for me, I can't fall into being thoughtful. I have to be deliberate. And so I just, I think the biggest encouragement I want to give to people is if you think of yourself as not a thoughtful person, you can put some checks and balances in your life to help you be thoughtful. Like, I don't, I don't remember what day of the month it is most of the time. Like, I'm just bad at dates and days and all those things, but I just have tried to put some checks and balances in my life to try to be more thoughtful and be a more, I don't know, kind of my, my wife. And it turns out this, this week was really important and I, I'm glad I was on top of that. We have one friend who sticks out to me as like really one of the most thoughtful people we know. Yeah. And this week, um, well, it's a couple, but this week him and his wife brought us an edible bouquet after I was in the ER. And I just thought, and the note on it was just cute. It said something like, just because you're fasting doesn't mean you can't have a treat or something. something." And I just thought, how thoughtful to like think of something that they could do for us or could get for us while we're in the middle of like this health journey. And then, you know, on both sides, the, you know, the healthy eating and me in the house and like, I was like, I cannot, like, I'm going to do a yoga session and literally eat the whole bouquet myself. That's amazing. I didn't. I shared. But that was, like, my plan for the night. And it was it was just really, really thoughtful. And And he tends to be that way. Yes. And it, he kind of goes out of his way to think of other people. And they're just thoughtful people. Yeah, both yeah, of them are absolutely. thoughtful. You're right. Uh, so, James, stupid fight of the week. Stupid fight of the week. Why do you think it is that you hate the lights on so much? Because my dad used to yell at me for having lights on. Is that true? Absolutely. So that's why you're just a Nazi about if the lights? If we left a room with lights on, like if you left the room and there were lights on in the room, you were in so much trouble. Man. Yelling, like, turn the lights on. It used to be that lights drained more energy, so maybe it was people trying to be more energy efficient. And that's kind of a dad thing to do. It was It was like, we couldn't leave the door open. We couldn't, like, you know, the outside. Like, are we cooling the outside? Are we heating the outside? Yep. Are we... 
Like that makes sense to me. And by then the, way. the lights, you know, it was like, do you want to pay the electric bill? I'm like, uh, no, I don't even know. You know, like I didn't know there was an electric bill, but that's so for me, it's like a, it's like a money conscious, but also I don't like bright lights. I like like mood lights, lamps, sunlight. I don't want like 85,000 can lights on over my head. It's too bright. It gives me a headache. I don't like it. And so it's multiple reasons, but I'm honoring your, like your budget savviness and like, let's cut our electric bill. And you're like, let's turn on every light in the house. Cause they don't use any energy anymore. I don't understand it. They're led lights. So they don't use much, but I just, I think lights like are like, bring more joy and more like life into the room as opposed to like, you want it dark in our house by like six o'clock and you want the lights off. Not dark. I want it mood lit. Oh yeah. You and your aesthetic daughter. Golden hour. And like, if the sun's not out, then you just turn on lamps and it's like aesthetic golden hour. I don't know. But you yell at me a lot for the lights. Like a lot. You you turn on like six lights and leave the room. I don't understand. Why? I don't know. Why are the lights on when you're not there? Like you're not wrong. The back hall light. Like you'll get something out of the closet and the lights will stay on for 45 minutes. Like you were in the closet 45 minutes ago. If you you notice it for 45 minutes, there's no chance that those lights stayed on. You would have yelled at me well Mm -hmm. before that 45 minutes Mm -hmm. was over. But they do stay on and just turn the lights off when you leave a room. It's like a thing. It's like you close the door when you leave. The house. It's like you lock the door when you go to bed. It's just like you do that. Yeah. Obviously, I don't do Obviously that. <laughs> you don't. You need to. Uh, well, Jamie, I think you are fantastic today. I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing from your heart. And as always, I think you were a superstar. Thanks, Scott. Great job. <laughs> See you next week. Thanks again for listening in as we unpack our stories. Our prayer is that they give you a greater hope and a glimpse of the God of the impossible. Shout out to Lemon Music Studio for letting us use your incredible song. See you next week.